Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Point Four Podcast, your home for sports, business, and culture. I'm Andre Godala with my main man, Evan Turner. On today's show, a look at how NBA players can shield themselves from hate by taking a page from their peers in European soccer. Cursing hits home. The NBA is now finding players for f- and bullshit at a rate never seen before. Finally, Black Star is back with a new album after 24 years. We get into the business of putting it behind a paywall. So sit back and chug a chorus with Mom Dukes. This is Point Forward. Point Forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something. something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. game. Now, before we start, I want to talk about somebody that has our attention. By our, I mean the Warriors. But he's had mine for a few years now, thanks to E.T. Luka Doncic. This white boy is a problem. And it's getting to the point where I don't think he's white anymore. (laughs) The man went to work on the Suns. And even though we gave him a little bit of problems in game one, he still had 27 and four. Shoot. He also left the game looking like Omar Little. Rest in peace. <laughs> but now he's got us thinking about the best white players in NBA history. So, Dre, who do you have at number one? Larry Legend. For sure. Larry Legend. Tw- career, what, 24 points, 10 rebounds, six assists? Larry, Larry didn't have no flaws. And I'm going to go out there on a limb. And, you know, my, some of my takes have, you know, had a lot of discussions. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first time I've ever said this. In an open setting, I take Larry Bird over Magic Johnson. That's where I hold him. No, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I spoke to Isaiah Thomas, the original one, back in uh, probably four or five years ago, like in Atlanta randomly. I bumped into him. I remember Isaiah saying, he was like, if anybody could play in this day and age, he's like, Larry could play now, he could play then. So Larry's just a bad boy. Like, he beat you any type of way. I mean, then they used to play like horse during a game and all that. The man would tell you where he was going. I'm going here, and then I'm stopping right there at that yeah. little that little logo right there. I'm stopping yeah. right there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pull up. And he would do exactly that. And I think it has to be repeated. What you just said has to be repeated. He can play in any era. era. Yes. And when I tell people, like, this guy is one of the best ever, I mean his game translates everywhere. Any era, any brand of basketball, NBA, FIBA, ABA, mm-hmm. EuroLeague, and anywhere in the world, his game is going to yeah. translate and he's going to do the exact same thing he did in the NBA. Yeah, we're, we're, just, we're talking about just game. Now, imagine the trash talk and everything else. Like You know what I mean? Like, just being on the court, the overall swagger. You know what I mean? The greatest. You talk about the man got jumped because he was killing. Dr. J. Dr. J <laughs> and them, they jumped him. Shout out to my man, Sonny, from Philly. Sonny Hill. Oh, that's OG, Sonny Hill. OG, Sonny Hill. You got like the 74 Bentley. <laughs> I, I, I raised you. <laughs> Sonny, I raised you Hill. I raised you Hill. Sonny raised every Wilt, Wilt wasn't human. That's what you always say. Wilt wasn't human. <laughs> Wilt wasn't. We heard so many stories about Wilt. And we heard so many stories about Dr. J. Yeah. Man, they whooped Larry Bird because of what he was doing to them. <laughs> that's how good Larry Bird yeah. was. The man with the largest hands on the planet had him wrapped around this man's throat because he did whatever he needed to do to them boys to let them know, like, y'all not on my level. All right, so so who we going to follow up with after Larry? I spent a lot of time with this guy. I'm really good 
friends with his son. I think this is debate. Like, this could be the first part of the, the debate, the top three. You start bench and cut one. You, I got Dirk and Jerry West. Man. <laughs> bro, Jerry was cold, bro. Jerry was cold. He was MVP of the finals, and his team lost. And his team lost. That's crazy. I, I don't know, bro. Jerry was the logo, bro. The logo. Thank you. And after he left Virginia University, they honored him, changed it to West Virginia, bro. Wow, that's deep. I, don't, I, don't I think didn't that, know that. I don't think that was true. I was lying. Oh, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a bar. Yeah, tell a friend. I would have said it. My name, if I went there. That works. That works. It works for me. Jerry West is a god in West Virginia. The man is the logo, won't ever admit it, and claims that there's no royalties behind being a logo. It ain't royalties, but they show him honor by allowing him to make every big trade he can possibly make. Every That's big, what, what did he get? Um, Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol for Kwame Brown. Mm-hmm. He told Shaq and Kobe they were going to be the best duo of all time. They traded Vladi Divac. Yes, he did. So, I mean, that alone, oh, man, but Larry killed it in the front office too. Larry did. Oh, Larry's a dog. Is it Jay West or Dirk, though? Nah, I'm gonna go Dirk, bro. Dirk, Dirk's championship run. What was that? 2011. Hey, I was I was at game two. That championship run, he took out the Lakers in four. Yes, he did. Who was the second? San Antonio Spurs, right? San Antonio yep. Spurs. They didn't play the Lakers. Or was it Memphis? The Dallas took out the Lakers. I'm I don't a- remember. He beat the Heatles. He beat Brian D Wade. Man, and if Chris you go Bosch, back, and remember how yeah. tough it was to guard that team. And in the last like thirty seconds, he scored like seven points. Shout out to Jason Terry who was telling them boys what he was gonna do. But Dirk, if you go back and watch that finals, man, nobody wanted that Dirk smoke. Like Udonis, I played with Udonis Haslam, and Udonis is a, a man of like of substance and pride, yeah, and like I hold myself to high a high level, a high standard. And ain't nobody ever gave me work. UD. <laughs> Man, that boy Dirk was different. Big different. No, no, no. You see, this is what happened this way. Hey, man. I knew Dirk was different when we it came to Philly. It was like a noon game on like a Sunday or something. Sunday or Saturday. And I don't like noon games. But, you know, <laughs> I'm doing my thing. Start off slow, and then I get into my rhythm. This on this is Philly Andre, so you know I, I had a swag to myself. Eighteen five and five, that type shit, right? Yeah, nineteen nine five and five. Nineteen right? nine five, and y'all was booing. <laughs> <laughs> my fault. Another story. Shout out to Philly, bro. But the last time y'all went to the second round or passed the second round, the first time was what twenty twelve. Yeah, it been a while, and, and then, then y'all been that. back there a couple times. So like. Shout out to Joel and on them, y'all code. I'm talking about the Philly fans, not the players. Y'all let Seth, what up, baby? But keep going. So, Dirk, we're up one. And it's like five seconds, maybe more. And how often do you see a big man for the game winner? Because if you go to a big man for a game winner with anything more than two seconds, they getting trapped. It's hard to make a play like out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like that time back when you're in Philly. So how it's yeah, hard it's, for a big yeah. to really. I'm going to. I'm going to Shaq mm-hmm. with two yeah. seconds. Like we try. We going to buy you or something yeah. like that. Like mm-hmm. you ain't. You ain't gonna be. It's gonna be hard to make a game yeah. winner. Tim Duncan could do it, but they gave the ball to Dirk and he one on one facing up. And Reggie Evans was a dog then. Yeah. Fam, he hit him. A little, little subtle left, left. Go hard left, and he fake spun. He had to half spin. Like he did with Chris Bosh. Back to his left. And Reggie thought he was going to full spin and took the bait, and he fake half spin and came back over that right shoulder. Man, Reggie left the camera shot. It was like a play action (laughs) where they followed the running back. But the QB still had the ball. Yeah. And man, I'm under the basket, and Dirk let it go, and it was going up, and I'm looking Those through the hoop. The worst. Yeah, I'm look. looking through the hoop, and I'm like, man, that's a god. Bink, buzzer go off, game. I said, I'm not even mad. Like, that's real. That was a time in my career where a loss really hurt my soul. Yeah. Like, like I didn't realize. I thought every player like felt like, like their soul was gone when they took an L, and then that's when I realized I was different. Like, I take losses hard. Yeah. And Fam, I wasn't even hurt. 
I'm just like, bro, I just saw greatness, bro. That was mm. beautiful. At that age, what were you, about 24, 25? Yep, 25. You probably played a bajillion games. Yep. And for somebody like to be like, wow. Yep. You know what I mean? Because people don't really wow us. Not really. I mean, but at the same time, when you cold in this league, you elite. <laughs> you there you mean? go. So. Yeah. Yeah. I want to bring up the next person, but I, I kind of want to bring it up because I just want to argue. <laughs> so I looked up Bob Cousy stats. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. Shout out to the legend Bob Cousy. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the Cousy family. Shout out to the Bob Cousy Award. Shout out to everybody that rock with Bob Cousy. Shout out to Boston Celtics. Shout out to the 38 championships they won. Shout out to my man Mike Zarin. You know, in Boston, they're so big on analytics, 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 or whatever. And then when you break it down, I looked at Bob Cousy stats. Uh-huh. Buddy shot 37% from the field. 18 is lit for a career. Don't let me get it wrong. Right. But the average career is seven assists. When I look back on that and I heard all these stories, I'm like, y'all can't be analytically crazy. Y'all had a man out here for 20-something years shooting 37%. Okay, this is not a a bashing conversation. No, but we got, we got to say it because it's never Has said, anyone right? ever looked at Pistol Pete's numbers? R.I.P. R.I.P. Pistol Pete. What were they, like Trey Young? Have you ever seen this man's Shot attempts and free throw attempts. I read his in bu- college. Yeah, I read his book. He, he was shooting like literally like twelve or forty five. Bro, he averaged like forty shots a game. Yeah, and he averaged like twelve free throws a game. Yeah, and somebody's like he averaged forty four a game, and no three point line. Right? Now let's break that down. Is is that because that because everyone wants to break down Michael Jordan's flaws and the three pointers that he didn't shoot? Oh, yeah, Man, yeah. stop it. Okay, so let's break down. Two MVPs by Steve Nash in those numbers versus the numbers that Kobe had. And I love Steve Nash. I love Steve Nash, too, but 18 and 12. Isaiah was averaging 21 and 12 for years. On winning teams. But at the same time, I think also, too, it's your impact of the game, too. We forget that a a lot. Steve had a big impact. That's what I won't take away from him. Steve had a big impact. Because that's when, and then, they, that's, that, I think that's our next four guys' tiers. Yeah. I don't know if I put Pistol Pete there, but there's a steep. He changed the game. I mean, he first million Pistol, dollar player. Yeah, you, Pistol you Pete did really, change like, the guy. Yeah, you got to yep, really yep, t- yep. tap your hat off to him. But I like where you're going with this to judge. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Dave Lee's one of my, like, one of the funniest people I ever met. Are we sending dudes to an all star game because they won 14 games in six years? Mm hmm. He he was one of those. The game was over by eight o'clock. He was one of those. He was one of those <laughs> like shit. numbers guys that didn't translate to winning, but reaped all the benefits of having good numbers. Make the All Star team. But he did win. But he did come on like that one year uh, when they first made the playoffs. I think they went to the down in Miami and beat uh beat the Heat at Miami when he really started turning around. I think that was the first year Steph was supposed to make the All Star game. Mm-hmm. Didn't. It? I mean, shout out to you know. D Lee to be able to go over there and win in the West, which was tough at the mm-hmm. time. You know what I mean? True. And obviously you all came and everything, but let me pause right there because I don't want to get away from Bob Cousy. My fault. Steve. Bro. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I like this because I don't want to get away from down. Yeah. I don't want to get away from Bob Cousy, Steve Nash, Mark Price. Right? Don't want to get away from them. Because yeah. I got a great story about Bob Cousy. But a part of this conversation was sparked in my mind. Like 6 a.m. I wake up and my mind just racing. And a David Lee story popped in my mind. And that's why I came up with this list. David Lee went to another level with his game when he was matched up against another white guy. <laughs> Fam, that's when I was like, ah. And then somebody brought it to my attention. So like, he, he like saw Lua Munson and just went crazy. <laughs> Kevin Love was one of those guys. Oh, wow. When he saw Kevin Love, and Kevin I Love go, was. It's two different Kevin Loves. It's Timberwolves Kevin Love. That was a bad white boy. Yeah. And then it's like lights out shooter Cleveland Cavaliers. That's yep. a bad boy. And that was the competitive nature that I loved about like the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. And I don't know if we're getting away from it. I hope we don't get away from it. I hope it comes back more. Whereas like when you see certain guys, it's like, okay, we're going to battle it out. And that's what I love about Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson said, I would take an L if Steph sees another top point guard. Steph, mm-hmm. you win the battle. I'll take the L. That was a part of the progression. Yeah. So it's a five, six year battle. Yeah. David Lee kind of had the same thing. Uh, Chris Weber yeah. had the same thing when he saw Sheed, when he saw KG, when he saw, uh, you know, Antonio McDice was in his air. Yeah. 
It was some of the top power forwards. Obviously, Tim Duncan, Amari was young. I mean, Kevin Garnett slapped Tim Duncan over like just it was man debate. It was was real when you saw somebody at your position as one of the top guys. It was like, oh, we gonna forget about the game for a little bit. It's almost almost like we gonna drop the hands, like yeah, throw the hands up, whatever. David Lee, when he saw another white dude, it was like, yo, throw it to me on the block. Like, all right, I'm about to get to it. I'm like, man, David Lee had great energy tonight. Yeah. And he wanted to let everybody know I'm the best white boy in the league. I was like, yo, that's a that's a pretty interesting thing. Yeah. Like, I'm the best white dude in the league. I mean, Larry Bird, we brought up Larry Bird. Larry Bird said he always thought it was disrespectful when yep. he put a white, a white dude on him. He said it. And I know we don't like bringing him up. Doug Collins, he didn't like to see a white dude in front of him neither. Hey. And I like, say what you want. Doug was, that was. <laughs> hey, I give, res- I give Doug, respect. Yeah, Doug, comp- yeah, Doug I give respect where respect is deserved. Competing. Doug was, that's why him and MJ got along so well. Yeah. They had the same competitive mentality. Yeah. Like, man, Doug's game or Doug's career ended because of injury. That's why Doug was always like, you know, if you hurt, play through it. That's what type of yeah. guy Doug was. Because Doug was like, my my career ended. So I put my life, that's how I played. My, I'm putting my life on the line. So if I die out here, I die out here. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it was kind of like there was a disconnect sometimes in terms of like, yo, man, I just All right, tore like my you, ankle up. Man, tape it up. Or not for 10 shots. Shit, I'll come for <laughs> Long story short, shit, for 10. I could have sat at the crib for these 10. <laughs> <laughs> I do a hard thirty minutes running. I feel you. Real talk, but that's kind of how that started. To, you know that that thing in my brain where it's like we're gonna rank these guys because you know it's like they're the minority. No, for sure. And so it's kind of like you know we in a league of our own, and it's like you know we may not be able to that fast twitch is something we we wasn't born with. We just ain't got it. So you know I'm I might have to separate myself from you guys, but I'm in the list. I'm in the league of my own in terms of my complexion. So I thought that was pretty cool, but. To talk about Bob Cousy, you know when I gain respect for Bob Cousy? Talk to me. Because these people is telling me I'm crazy because I say Kyrie is top 20 ever. So when that article came out about Bob Cousy, spoke to why trading Kyrie might set the franchise back decades, was real. Winning in professional sports is all about skilled players, coaches, don't win. A talent like Kyrie comes along once every 20 to 25 years. It is so rare that when you acquire it, you don't let it go. I'm still shaking my head. Damn, shout out to Bob Cousy. Bob is a dog. I love Bob Cousy, and I hate if I did any slander on OG name because I didn't want to do that at all because I love Boston. I love Bob Cousy. Okay, I got it. I think that, I think, okay, so Steve Nash... Mark Price. And I had a great conversation. I heard Mark Price was like Steph Curry before. Listen, man. Mark Price was like that. Everybody said that. Like, he was very hard to guard. And he was going to get a bucket. And I'm talking about he could shoot the piss out of it. Mm -hmm. And back then, you had real power forwards and centers. Pick and roll. You can't switch. What you going to do? He he was the first dude that I seen that was consistently splitting – the pick and rolls. No, people weren't splitting yeah, yeah. pick and rolls. And he was doing a floater off both legs. Yeah. Like a, a, a runner jumps off off the right leg, which how hard is that? Like, people ain't trying that in the game. No, he, he was cool. doing it with, with Going into that paint, too. Comfortable. Finishing. Yeah. Left, right hand. Georgia Tech, right? Georgia Tech. Legend. Like, he kind of started that point guard Georgia Tech, you know? You want to know who I liked that you just brought up Georgia Tech? I liked them more than some people, but... I like how tough Matt Harpering was back in the day. Matt Harpering was tough. How tall Matt Harpering was tough. Yo, me and Matt Harpering had gotten no, a few, I, I, like, I almost, everybody always almost says tussles. Yeah. When he was in Utah, I'm like, yo, what is Buddy on? But that's the old school. You couldn't but play he, in that league he, unless you played. Yeah. He wanted to feel you. And he's 225. So I'm something. like, bro, you're not even on the ball. How was we tussling in the ball? We on the we on the weak side, bro. Yeah. Like, the ball way over there, bro. Like, how you tussling? Like, get your space. But he just, hey, he wanted to feel you. He's like, all right, tonight you're going to remember me. And I was like, all right, I ain't got, I got, I respect it. Yeah, he was tough though. <laughs> so you think Mark Price and Cousy? Would you? Wait, Mark, Mark Cousy and Steve Nash. Now with Nash, I think he had a greater effect on the game, and he had, you know, like certain players have a international generational impact. Mm-hmm. I felt like Steve Nash had more of that because. He made everyone else a threat. 
And people, it's similar to LeBron when people trying to find holes in this game. LeBron can't do this. LeBron can't do that. And one thing I know about LeBron is that everyone is a threat on the floor when he's on the floor. And that is special. And Steve Nash made everyone on the floor a threat. And you were like, bro, you got to help me on the weak side. And they like, man, I can't leave. Every time I help in, Steve finding them and I'm getting my lights blown off. And it's like, I got to come sub out. So I ain't leaving my man. It made the defense have division amongst themselves. It's like, you know, you got to move on the chain link on defense. Dudes is like, nah, man, I'm not finna get lit up tonight. My man ain't finna get 25. (laughs) So now everybody playing defense by (laughs) themselves. No, that's real. And, but but back then, literally, you look at some of those like those all star events and stuff like that. Like he was getting everybody paid, everybody three point yep. champions. Like yep. And obviously, like you said, the the impact that he had coming from Canada. Yep. Like, yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, he was part of the Vince Carter effect. One thing I will say about Steve: what was his advantage? You didn't have one. Is that? Hey, I was thinking. I'm like, is that a trick question? Because yeah, I don't remember no, one. No, he didn't have not yeah. one advantage. He, mm-hmm. he was barely six feet. Yep. I mean, it wasn't like he was great physically. It wasn't right. like he was old. I mean, he could run. He was fast with the ball and stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. what I'm saying, like, what was his what was advantage? Before he started really taking off, was he in the top ten? He had to break his way in the top ten. Like, back then when he was taking, there was Jay Kidd and all them. Yeah. Yeah, goons. Yeah, like, real goons. So Shout was, out shout out to Chauncey Billups. That was his, that oh was his Achilles heel. Yeah. Damn, Chauncey. Big shout out Chauncey. Chauncey was his Achilles. But what Steve used to do, man, like, one thing that I would try to, because I always try to pick things apart in guys. Okay, let me yeah. pick y'all apart like y'all pick us apart. He was always on great teams. He had Michael Finley. He had Dirk. You know, Diddy, uh, Puff Daddy, Diddy, Sean Combs, whatever name we're going by. Had the green jersey. He desi- He was designing jerseys for these dudes. So, you know, he, Steve Nash was popping before Phoenix. Like, yeah. Steve had always had great teams. Yeah, yeah. And it was like the one thing people say about him is he couldn't get over the hump. And they didn't even say it as much as they when they knock us. You know, Steph never won a Finals MVP. Like they they try to knock the man for that, but Steve could never get over the hump. You know, shout out to Robert Ori for knocking Big the shot. dude. Yeah. He knocked Steve over the um over the scores table. I do remember, yeah. And then a few guys came off the bench, suspended. They lose the series. <laughs> Big shot, Rob. You do more than big shots. He know how to get. He know how to advance. They never got to the finals. Did they ever get to the conference finals? They got to the conference finals. Kobe took them out, right? Couple, and I, yeah. uh, I mean, they beat Kobe one year, the year Kobe wouldn't take a shot in that the last game. I do remember that. And then and they uh, thought he was gonna leave, right? Yeah, the Clippers, yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought he was gonna leave, but then I think San Antonio took him out. That was when that was when they got a couple suspensions from guys on the bench. They took one step on the floor, but you know, other than that, Steve was Steve was an incredible talent. He started the Mike D'Antoni uh, point guard yeah. situation where every point guard thrived under Mike D'Antoni. Or Tony like, Douglas. Or even like 13 seconds. Like, you know what right. I mean? At Ohio State, we were playing open gyms with 13 second shot clocks because that's what they said they were doing in Phoenix. Yep. And that's what yep. Steve was doing yep. getting people running. I mean, forget that. Like, shout out to Steve. Every day in college, I was doing a Steve Nash drill. Yep. 20 minutes worth of work. That was special. That was special. But D'Antoni was part of that and it was, you know, the Steve Nash effect. So as we transition to another guy, his, uh, his, Body of work is pretty solid. I see you had him sixth. John Havlicek. Hondo! The Ohio State University. Now, I'm not as familiar as I should be because I'm a, I am feel like I'm a basketball connoisseur. Yeah. And all I remember is Havlicek steals the ball. No, I'm not going to lie. Mr. Havlicek was also a first-round pick for the Browns in football. Mm-hmm. Havlicek was 6'8". Yeah. Let me see what 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 it said. It said he was a two-time was he six-time NBA champion, eight-time All Defense, eight-time NBA champion, one Finals MVP, and look, this is what I'm saying, bro. He averaged career twenty-one six and five. That's that's elite. That's eight-time All Star. Yes, and also too, he wasn't during those days of like the Celtics. He wasn't just like part of it. He was one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was one of them. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm taking half a check. I might have to sit. So, uh, what's my wife's favorite movie? Uh, Love Jones. Nah, with the uh, Lilu, Bruce Willis, and a sci-fi movie. Uh, Passion of Christ. <laughs> Chris Tucker was in the movie. Oh. The Fifth Element, my God. I watched The Fifth Element. For so, I done seen The Fifth Element 47 times. And the girl named Lilu, you know, she was from another planet, and she landed just in this man's cab. 
out the sky. Right, the stars and lines. The universe was was right at the time, and boom, she born Earth, and she's gonna save the world, the universe, the whole shebang. I say all that to say they hooked her up to a computer, and she downloaded in her brain the whole history of Earth. She know everything, and I say that to say if you drop down out the Earth, you know I'm gonna do my Max Kellerman. That's real. If you drop down on the Earth, and it's like like your life depending on it, the, the the whole world depending on you getting this answer right. Who had the most steals in NBA history? Do you think it would be a white guy? Nah. John Stockton got the most steals in NBA history. That says a lot. You can't you can't pat that stat. No, that's un- I mean, but his his stat is like legit. It'll never be broken yeah, unless you play twenty eight years. I mean, Brian ain't even close to breaking it. Yeah. Well, I think Brian- CP is up there though. That's impressive. That's impressive, and, and he didn't miss. Games. John, yeah, for sure. 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82 78, 82 for the next six or the yeah. next 10, 64. And what was 50 was in a lockout and 82 for the rest. Like he playing, he playing 82 games in his that's actually wild. 18th season, 19th season. And like, I'm talk- and like this is back in the day where there was no like. Yeah, yeah no treatment. Crazy treatment. It was just beer. or what, You know what I mean? It's you had a cigarette at halftime. That's real. That's wild. I actually like that. We haven't spoken about Rick Berry. Rick Barry's a problem, G. Rick Barry That's a problem. is a very interesting individual. I've had, I've had the privilege to spend some time with him yeah. and with the Warriors. He got to let that understand shot go. But it's like I think people sleep on Jerry West, and I think people sleep on Rick, Rick Barry. Rick Barry was a bucket. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to be my knock on Rick Barry because we're going to find holes in everybody. Talk to me. The man is – Pushing this underhand shot because what he shoot ninety percent underhand. The man shot eighty nine percent regular, oh. and he talking about underhand is is a better shot. Fam, you shot not you shot eighty nine overhand. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Miss me with all that, dude. Was you? I mean, you just getting bored. He averaged twenty five point seven rebounds and five assists, bro. And then he produced yeah. two kids that also went to the NBA. Well, I thought, ah, what did the other one play? I thought he had three. I know two for sure. I know two for sure. And they both run in three point contests. And one on one duck contest. That's some good genes. <laughs> That's some good. Rick, put it in the freezer, baby. <laughs> put it in the freezer. And then I want to go to a guy that I had, as a youngster, I had no love for because it was always, I felt like I always had, it was some hate in his voice. And I don't know if it came from my parents bringing that energy onto me because they had a dislike for him. Not just like for him, but the way he commentated. Bill Warren. Yeah, I'm talking about Bill. Okay. But I went in back. I went back and started watching Bill because of his son. Yeah. And people always talk about, yo, how do you see the court so well? How did you become, you know, point forward? You yeah, know, this is yeah, who we are. Yeah. I give so much credit to Luke Walton and not even him pulling me off to the side and teaching me or showing me film. But he bust my ass my entire freshman year. I'm like, this dude can't get off the ground. He get hurt every two weeks. He sprained his ankle. Like, how was he just, like, he's orchestrating. Yeah. And and as when you get to the league, there's only a few orchestrators. orchestrators yeah. Like, that that's very rare, like, yeah. throughout basketball history. He really passed. He could really, especially with Kobe and on him. People, bro, like, he won him a couple playoff games, bro, with just all yes. diamond in alone, bro. Luke, and, and to be in L.A. and they shout your name when you do something mm-hmm. well is a big thing. Luke. He's a man. And so... When I started getting triple doubles in college my sophomore year, yeah. it was because of what I've seen from Luke my freshman year. So now I'm getting older. I'm starting to do more homework. I'm going back and looking at Bill Walton. Yo, he was really, like, in the argument, one of the best players in the world when he played. In college? Yeah, in college, he's unreal, right? And then his career cut short because of injury. Foot, right? Right, he had a foot injury. He could have owned 20% of Nike, but he was anti-capitalist. Turned down a deal. Had a great conversation with Luke Walton. That's crazy. And Luke was like, man, Pop's tripping. <laughs> he want me to ask <laughs> yeah, my, my bike back. back. <laughs> so Bill Walton was was special. I see a name on there that's pretty legit, bro. He's, he was bad. He was cold. I know who you're going to say. Who? Christian Leitner. Not why I'm going to say that. Oh. Go ahead, I'm going to say that. Go ahead. I was going to go to um, Daniel R. Ainge. Yo. 
And when you see Danny in person, he's really 6'5". Bro, I didn't know that. I walked up on Danny. I'm like, this is an imposing imposing <laughs> yeah, figure. I'm like, damn. Dude. Yeah, you're big. And Danny was, a, was he? He went pro for baseball. He's an All-American mm-hmm. quarterback, All-American baseball player yep. out of high school, and All-American basketball player. Yeah. But, I mean, when you see Danny, when you think about, obviously, what he did in college, but a 6'5", literally a combo guard. Yeah, yeah, he was literally a do. Yeah, game to him, yeah. handle. He could shoot. He knew how to play basketball. He was tough. Mm-hmm. Think about Danny Ainge's. Danny Ainge's resume is crazy, yeah. too, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm talking about as yeah. a coach, a commentator, yeah. a player. Yeah, true. I mean, like. He, he was that boss. And, and back then with that Boston Celtics team, you had to earn your stripes. Yeah. No, and, and he did, especially coming from. He, he had to earn the stripes. Was, you want to know who was cold? And I watched the old school, like, classic. Paul Westfall was unbelievable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Handle. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, bro, he had, like, I don't even know what year it was, but he, he played with some shit, bro. Yeah. yeah. He was cold. I liked him a lot. You know what I like What we've done so far We haven't went overseas with it We can still go purebreds However you want to take that You know Blue eyes 100% pure Whatever you call it Settlers The ones that still like Thanksgiving The one that comes to mind Two that comes to mind Drazen Petrovich Drazen came over here Life was cut short R.I.P Yo he went at MJ Like I got respect for it Petrovich, man, he had it. he was he could, he had that long range like pull up from anywhere. Yeah, let's go. Going straight at your left, right shoulder, pulling up on you. Back then, guys, drop one, two dribbles, drop, yeah. stopping them, drop a dry, hitting you with the mid range. Could finish. No, his, his, his balance, tough. his balance was so great on his jump shot. Yeah, like he absolutely. he was in that phone booth, absolutely, and didn't stray outside of it. And the player they said was the best of all time. He just never played in the, in the league. Big Sabonis. Oh, yeah. Arvita Sabonis, man. Big Sabonis the Trailblazers back in the day were unreal. Yeah, Arvita Sabonis, I heard, was unbelievable. He had two Achilles tears yeah. by the time he came over, right? Big Sabonis yeah, was a problem. Yeah. He was big as hell, for one. He was a house. But then the dimes alone, yeah. bro. Literally the dimes, bro. Behind like, the back, out the post, over the shoulder, out the post. Like You, you want to know who's underrated? You don't even have on that list? What was it? The Duncan Dutch, Rick Smith. Like, nope. I don't. I don't know anything else about the rest of the like the seasons he was in. But nah. as a youngin watching no, I know the him. Bulls versus Pacers, come on, brother, damn near had me crying. Listen, bro, bro I know him. Damn you near know, had me crying. You, you know why I know him? Because James Wiseman. I said, go watch Rick Smith. He like who? Fam, trust me. Go watch Rick Smith. I got one more. We forgot, and I truly apologize. I truly apologize. It better be good. Buddy was a problem. How we forget about Chris Mullen? Chris Mullen was a problem. Chris Mullen was the truth. Lefty, New York, like real New York. St. John's. Like real New York, like was going to the playground and mixing it in with yeah. the brothers. Like Chris Mullen was elite, could okay. score from everywhere on a post, jab work. Triple threat, could shoot it, a pro, you know, like you said, you know, have a couple brews after shoot around, pull up to the game, eat 30. And the, the most important thing I think people don't comprehend about the 30 is like the 30 is the league 30. Yep. Like the top 450 players, like you got Andre Godala, you got Draymond Greens, you got whoever set out there to come turn your water off. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go get you a 30 piece. Yeah. At the Roman Coliseum, basically. You know what I mean? Like, that's snap. <laughs> snap to Chris Mullen, man. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast. And yes, we are in the thick of the college hoop season. Our pod runs at least three times a week and covers everything you need to know. From the power conference team to the mid-majors, the scoops, the stories, game predictions, previews, huge recaps, everything. We cover it all. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your pods. And now for somebody that doesn't deserve any snaps. Evan, you and I, we all saw the tweet that was made by the ignorant weatherman in Memphis, from Memphis. And it was the one about Draymond calling him an open-mouth knuckle-dragger. And I remember texting you right after it happening, you know, asking you, you know, why don't more players from teams where fans get racist and out of control stand up for the brotherhood, you know, our shield? And why do players pride and fuel racist fans by playing into the tropes against their opponents? I felt all of the Grizzlies players should have condemned the weatherman for basically calling Draymond a monkey. So, E.T., with all that being said, is it time for NBA players to cast their eyes across the pond and take a cue from European soccer players in terms of how they react to sentiments like these? I think one thing that occurs that, you know, the, the European soccer players do that I've seen, you know, as of recently, you saw that. When a racial comment was being set out, the players just stopped playing. Yep. Like, flat out, they left in the middle of the game. The game got suspended, and I think that set the tone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had opportunities where we protested or came close to being like, hey, we're not playing in a – during a bubble, of course. Right, right. That happened before, but, you know, on certain big stages, like when the Donald Sterling incident occurred, I remember how upset, you know, David West was because, you know, C- he was looking at CP like, yo, this is bigger – than just basketball. Like, this is a trend set. Not even a trend set, but you can set the tone with what we're willing to do and mm-hmm. not do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like passing that opportunity took like, you know, five or six more years until something drastic publicly would occur. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. The Jacob situation and where we all just started forming together and, you know, boycotting. But yep. I definitely like um, how the Euros do it and uh, the soccer players because it seems like they comprehend their power and, it seems like everybody on a team is is moving as a unit when they when they stand against it. Well, what's interesting to me though with that is, you know, it's funny because the rhetoric around here is, you know, I've I, I've had some conversations with certain folks, and mm-hmm. the rhetoric was you you got to play, you can't not play. And yeah, I don't get that. I, I didn't understand that. I did understand it, but I didn't understand it because this is bigger. Sometimes it's bigger than basketball, and I don't think. That is something they want us to uh, put out there into the the yeah. atmosphere in terms of you know that human experience. I've been listening to uh, Most Def and Talib Kweli and yeah. Dave Chappelle's podcast. So excuse me, I'm really like I got the energy right now, but it's it's, yeah. it's controlled because like Most Def has been amazing, and some of the things he's been saying about the human experience has just been opening my eyes. Sometimes it is bigger than what it is, um, and and there's. There's a responsibility to the art. We say that over and over and over. That's the gatekeeping of it. But at the same time, there's, there's a responsibility for us to have a, a real human experience because we talk about our traumas within the game so much and the things that we have to yeah. go through after we're done playing. And that plays right into it in terms of what we experience on the floor and our interactions that we have with people that are watching us. And, you know, I, I even you go through with injuries. You know, you don't know how many people that I feel like you know, you have my number, you can have access to me. You know, certain people that get one number and other people that get another number. And, and I feel like, you know, you can reach out to me anytime. And I've been getting some interesting texts and calls lately. Everybody's got a remedy. Everybody's got somebody that can fix you so you can get back on the floor. And I had to take a step back and think, well, what's your incentive for helping me? Is this is this for you or is this for me? Because, you right. know, one guy was saying, just shoot it up. You know, like, this is this this is a championship. This is a moment. Like, you you, you can't not do it. Yeah, and trying to explain to them the afterlife or after basketball, which is afterlife effects, and you know that's you know, that comes with the territory, and this goes in line with that shut up and dribble thing, and I think the European soccer players are, I guess it just got that bad because we don't experience the racism part like that, but we experience how can I 
you know, maybe you have a better word for me. Uh, our experience isn't quite as racist. It's not just thrown at you. But there are some jabs in there that just crawl underneath your skin in terms of the, yeah. the, the what you what you experience from those who feel like that word owner has a different meaning to it yeah. to them as it does to us. And I'm not saying all or most. I think we are getting it better. That's why I really enjoyed our last conversation with Ryan Smith and you spoke to it. Mm-hmm. We need more guys that look like him. Like this guy gets it. It's more of a you know, let's build a great company together and let's build outside of basketball. You know, you ask that question, how are you helping these guys off the court? And I think we're trending towards there, but there's still some some yeah. traces of the the other word, like you were talking about Donald Sterling. But they did react pretty quickly to Donald Sterling. So was it was it quick enough? You know, because they said he won't own the team. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of in the transition phase, like right away. Because I was in that playoff series. Yeah, but that was after the playoffs, though. The money was already banked in. Gotcha. The money was already cashed in. And you believe that Donald Sterling hung out with David Stern, hangs out with, you know, Adam Silver and all the other owners. You think they really kicked them off the plane like that and let them fall? I think so. No, 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 I'm just just saying because at the end of the day, if he had to sell a team, what is that? Billy's, dog. Yeah, yeah, he got eight, eight. He ate. What's the loss? For him, I feel like they were, they have, from what I've been hearing, so I don't know. But I heard they were they had been trying to get rid of him for quite some time. And it was pretty much it was kind of like, you know, wipe the sweat off because we've been trying to get rid of Buddy for a minute. And yeah. this is our chance. So I, so real. it goes back to are you upset at what's occurring and how we're being viewed and then how we're being treated by the ownership slash governors groups? Or you were just you seem mad because you wanted to get rid of this guy, and this was a reason to get rid of him. You know, it's like your son. You was like, I'm going to whoop you. Uh, you know, your mom said, I'm going to whoop your ass. And yeah. sorry, sorry, uh, Byron Spurrell, don't don't find me. Uh, I, I said that. I said ass. You could tell. So, you could tell. <laughs> so it's like your mom said, I'm going to whoop your ass. And they just looking for something to whoop you. And it's you going to whoop me for this? Like, I, I don't, this isn't whooping worthy, but it's just, yeah. nah, man, like, I really ain't mad about what you did, but you just needed an ass whooping. And it, it, no, it, it could be confused with that. She mad he was cheating. <laughs> she not mad at you. She mad at her main dude. No, I'm, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But it be like that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that was a difficult, tough situation. I think one thing that occurred where it was they acted as swiftly as they could in a, in a certain sense, but sometimes it's like, what was it loud enough? Right. You know, because there's still a lot of undertones. All it did was just make sure, to a certain extent, check other people's personality to tighten up and button up their energy. Donald Sterling era was the start of a, a, a bunch of exposing errors. Like, you know True. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you mm-hmm. break it down in 2014, 2015, or whenever that happened, I'm sure he wasn't the only one that said, was saying that. Or the only one that was thinking that. Oh, no, that. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's what I'm 100%. saying. What messed up was him yeah. checking his side chick and be like, bro, stop bringing that man to the game. I'm paying all this money. What, what return do I get on this? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, And that's it. It didn't start with racism or anything. It started with somebody trying to out somebody during a popular trend of trying to cause equality and, and, and right or wrong. But everything that occurs during that time, we take small baby steps and the same stuff happens. We still get discriminated. We still have racial undertones. We still have the shut up and dribble. People are still getting killed. Like, you understand? Mm-hmm. So when we say loud enough or whatnot, we can say we won that battle, but we didn't really win the war because people are still getting cash. People are still doing whatever, and they're holding us off because there's so much we don't know. We don't know the game process. We say we'll handle it after the season. Y'all still brought in all that money. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll knock them out. Cool. Let's get up out here. Y'all just did us a favor. As opposed to being like, yo, a Steph Curry court with Chris Paul, nobody's playing. What would that have done? That's true. You know? These days, we're getting it from all sides. Not just from the crazy fans, but also the league office. They're trying to come after our pockets for cussing. I read a Sports Illustrated article that they're increasing the fines for every bad word being said in either an article, on a court, interview, and now they're trying to attack if you curse on your own podcast. Shit. Dre, what do you think about this? Well, I just said ass earlier, and, and, you know, I'm being funny. You know, please don't find me NBA, but I'm saying that because it kind of reminds you of that dress code thing where it was guys were getting disrespectful <laughs> with the dress code 
<laughs> this is before you were in the league, but my my second year in the league was the first year of the dress code. So the first year, I was able to see guys come to the game however they felt. And, you know, I don't like doing this, but I won't even say the team. It was one team that came to the arena. It was in Philly. And it had to be later in the year because it was still light, very light out that late mm-hmm. in the game. And these dudes pulled up, and I saw the baggiest jeans, the loosest Tims, the biggest white tees I've ever seen in my life, bro. I cringed when I saw this. I saw a lot of big hats. And the jury doesn't really bother me. The jury can get crazy, but the jury doesn't bother me. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand that part. But the T-shirts, because you 6'8", 6'9", and your T-shirt is touching your kneecaps, that's a big T. That's a big T. I But that's a hell of a deal, bro, because that's probably the best deal you get. All that cotton for, like, $3 a shirt. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, you you could roll. You you can get jiggy in a velour sweatsuit and just just some jewels. And every shirt is a cotton T-shirt with a French designer for seven hundred dollars a piece. And you're right, but it, <laughs> you know it, it kind of it, it goes into our to, our subject of or the topic of NBA players being fined for you know cursing on live TV, cursing in interviews, and even cursing on your podcast. You can possibly be fined. And as African Americans, we are the the most creative beings. So I feel like this is a good test for us to. Uh, maneuver around someone controlling, you know, how we present ourselves, which I, I'm not a fan of. Because I just we just spoke about this, our traumas and what we go through. And you get people with the fell the entire arena is chanting F this guy or yeah. F that guy. You know, we just saw it in Boston and we just had a conversation with Jerry West in terms of, you know, if anyone reads his book, he will not go to Boston for certain reasons. And he's a yeah. white guy. And he, he refuses to go to Boston. But those are the things that bother me. And I understand because Michael Jordan was the template. We just talked to David Falk, and he presented himself, uh, you know, in the manner that was perfect for the game. But it's funny because we will monetize or we will create the content or we will create a mantra for a particular player and his brand that's fierce or that's Mm -hmm. physical or that's toughness, you know, all Mm -hmm. those things. And with that, that's only natural that you might get curse words into it yeah i mean they even cursing on cable tv now i'm seeing i'm like oh right. they saying these words on tv now so for them to you know let me I, I don't know how do you feel about it i mean it doesn't change anything they're just trying to button us up and tighten us up i mean we were supposed to dress better and everything like that for the dress code and did it change anything how we were viewed we're still told to shut up and dribble 10 15 years <laughs> later true it helps with none you could be right. an upstanding individual and still get called a thug. You're 100% correct. Yeah, based on how you speak. Spiro, I think Spiro had on a, uh, a walker or, or a tie when he apologized for choking coach. They still thought he was a thug. <laughs> the That's suit what I'm saying. Like- so, like, <laughs> who, who are we really? We're doing it for the sponsors to get bread, I guess. I mean, it has got a little out of hand because people are cursing and, and doing this and the other, but it's an up and down mixture. It's another way for our hands to be behind our back and, you know, we got to follow a policy and then, you know, tons of things get chucked at us. Like the, the Kyrie thing that we brought up and mm-hmm. uses like the F.U. Draymonds or whatever else or even, I mean, I know he's not going to get in trouble, but even how people were talking about Charles Barkley outside of Oracle yesterday. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Don't be mad when I come to your house and your, your mother. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Finally, today we got our Guns and Butter business segment our fiduciary responsibility to our listeners. What's Guns and Butter? It comes from the movie Baby Boy, as I've said before. And I quote, guns means stocks and bonds, real estate, stuff that appreciates with value, butter, cars, clothes, and all the other stuff that don't mean nothing after you buy it. That's what it's all about. Guns and butter, baby. You little dumb motherfuckers. So now that you got that knowledge, after a 24-year hiatus, Black Star is finally back with a new album, No Fear of Time. Both Most Def and Tyler Kweli didn't release it to the masses. The album is only available on Luminary. Evan, before we get into the business side, how good does it feel to have him back? You know, older and older we get, we appreciate the message more. Yep. An example being set. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you get a, when you get some of the OGs and come back and really, you know, spit game, spit the, you know, challenge, 
current rappers with the bar flow and everything else, but also the message. I think that's what hip hop was really about at the beginning, much more than, right. you know, a, a bow, 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 or drill yeah. or whatever yeah. else they're doing. So I think the culture is going to uh, benefit mostly off, you know, the natural game and knowledge that they, they just spit, bro. You know, they're conscious, but at the same time, they're trying to, they always been about pushing their people forward and pushing forward, you know, the, the real. Well, that's interesting because I'm thinking the way they released it and it got me thinking about how we should transact and how we should um, sell our art or our, our goods or our content. Yeah. And so they, they're doing it through uh, yeah. Luminary, uh, which is a platform that has podcasts. So they, they have their own podcast called The Midnight Miracle. Um, most deaf Talib and, and Dave Chappelle is a cheat code. It's not fair. Um, <laughs> but they, they have a different type of thinking and different type of way of delivering uh, the way they see the world, which is, you know, amazing. And I feel, you know, I'm not to uh, compare ourselves to them, but, you know, that's our that's our goal, you know, to, 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 yeah. to drive an audience to think outside the box. And I'm not saying we have to dumb it down, but just kind of experience the things we experience and really experience, not just hear us talking about the things we acquire or, you know, uh, how much money we have, or uh, the you know, kind of the you know, some of the some, no, some of the ignorant things we like to entertain ourselves with, but the, on on the higher level side as well. Yeah, but but we're but we're well free within if it's an ignorant or whatever type situation, right? Whatever. But the number one thing is how to move in a room full of vultures because uh -huh. we just had uh, we just had a host uh, a guest here recently where we done enough business, we chop up business or whatever else, and now they're blowing my phone down. Thinking they're entitled to a percentage of some shit they didn't help. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So we talk about culture and you talk about that stuff right there and like what most deaf and quality and mm -hmm. everything and, and Dave Chappelle are mm -hmm. doing. It's like taking your power mm -hmm. back. In one form or another, they basically did what the what the soccer players did. They walked off the field. Right. You gotta download an app to get that game. And they mm -hmm. control everything. I remember uh they used an example from, you know, their their podcast of talking about how Prince sold 100 million records for the company or whatever. For what was it, Warner Brothers or somebody? Yeah, and he made more money. Selling 3 million records on his which own. Which crazy. Yeah, so when you start breaking it down, it's like reading in between the lines and knowing, and what, what they're saying is knowing your value, knowing your worth. Mm -hmm. Once again, I just talked about an agent that I didn't meet until I was 21 years old. Of course, he did me a great job with a deal, but I formed who Evan Turner right, was. Right, exactly. Yeah. Way before that, my family formed who Evan Turner mm -hmm. was. Way mm -hmm. before that. And for whatever reason, like they said, you split up your penny or whatever. I let him get 20% of my pie. He said you get a piece of a penny per stream. A, a piece of a penny. But you can't turn around and be like, hey, bro, now wrap this. Wrap that. Wrap this. They can't do that. There's tons of people that be hanging around as talentless as shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They be like, oh, I can do this. I can do that. No. It's not about if you can get an A, 4.0 or whatever. It's like what an outlier said. It's all about... When you get behind that door, how can you create? What can you do that's different? Right, right. Besides uh, right. go to school, go to college, take this take this foundation, go work at your dad's spot, and then wait for your inheritance to kick in. It's like, nah, bro, we're going to switch this up. I, I got a gift. I got one of the illest yo-yos in the country. Right. I'm tough. Yep. I perform under pressure. Yep. I hit big shots. And I'm a 6'7 guard that most people ain't never seen before. I love school. I'm going to go back and get educated and shit, but fuck that. I know my value. <laughs> right. right. You know what I mean? And I already made a bunch of people rich prior to that. Oh, you made a whole lot of people. A whole Listen, lot of people rich. You, I a whole don't lot think, of people rich. I think that has, that's a great point you make right there. And I don't want to steer too far from where we're going, but it's right there in, the, in that pocket. I'm playing with some boys right now that made a lot of people rich. So for as much as they say these guys are compensated, you know, we got one guy making 47 this year. We got another guy at, where's Clay at? 32, 33, somewhere like that. Draymond's at like 25, and Clay played for 26. Free yeah, Clay played for free for a couple years. And they made a whole lot of people rich. We talking about from the top down. I mean, and, and you see, you feel the trauma because I didn't understand that sometimes when you had older players, you know, they would, they would have that. You know, you just get that feeling from them that they were upset that they aren't living the way you are, you know, because they had to 
they were the trailblazers. They were the sacrificial lambs. And I hope I'm never like that. I don't think I ever will be like that because I want to see all these guys eat. So that's how it's supposed to be. Like, yeah. you leave the next generation in a better place. But yeah, I'm starting absolutely. to understand the traumas behind it more and more. And you're seeing, like, these new arenas be built. You know, you're seeing some of these deals that are put in place. You're seeing whole infrastructures yeah. being in place. Like, think about it. We go back to Spotify. Spotify is a platform where they are essentially controlling the music business and you can't exist as an artist without them. And I love the way most Def put it in terms of, you know, I'm making my art. Like, people go through life with me. Like, I'm helping them survive. Like, Dave Chappelle some some yeah. You're talking about Black Thought? Right. I think Black Thought. It might have been Black yeah, Thought, but Dave yeah. Chappelle, this is early yeah. morning. I've listened to this all day before and after practice. So, early in the yeah. morning, Dave Chappelle was saying, you know, um, Robin Williams saved one of his friend's lives. And Robin he told Robin Williams, and Robin Williams was like, ah, you know, it makes him feel weird to get a compliment. And he said something that just hit home for me. I almost start driving. I put on autopilot and it would text, you know, Dave Chappelle out here saving lives. I got to remember that. He was telling the story of the, yeah. of the white dude that called yeah. him racist. But then on the way yeah. home, most deaf was saying, you know, it might have been Black Thought. You know, people experience life and get through life through my music. And you mean to tell me it's only worth $10, $15? You mean to tell me yeah. the, the weed that they smoke? To my with my album is <laughs> yeah, worth more yeah. than my album, and this thing's yeah. going to last forever. You gonna yeah. smoke that that joint and it's gone in twenty yeah. minutes. This is lasting you for the rest of your life. I'm getting you through experiences. Yeah. You know, we talk about Frank Ocean all the time, and it's like, bro, we want to get ourselves in a good place. Like, I, how much money will we spend to be like, all right, I just need to vibe out, and I'm gonna put some Frank Ocean on. All right, pay a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars every time I need to play the album. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like what Hov said. How you rate music with thoughts and not to relate to it? I help them see their way through it, not you. And they're the ones controlling the whole. Jo- they controlling the whole infrastructure. For sure. I mean, shoot. When I sit here, you talk about music. I, if, when I meet Eminem, I'm gonna tell them thank mm. you. Like even like Eight Mile when I was a 14 year old kid. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, bro, this is gonna keep me going. You know, the beginning of the first 30 seconds, like that's all right. That's okay. I'm gonna make it. Right. You know, right. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. When you go back to life for a real moment, you you usually quoted something to keep you True going. True story, and and I learned that through one. Of, I think it was a guy, um, cor- one of the corporate guys that I'm cool with. I know, and he was saying, you know, this guy was getting ready for the meeting because I'm asking, like, what do y'all do to get like amped up? Like, you got a big presentation or you got a big meeting? Like, how do you get yourselves in that mode? And he was saying, same way y'all do. I know a guy that listens to Jay Z before every big meeting. Like, he locked in. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. I just never thought about it that way because we are in our world and we're from where we're from. But it's the same thing. But, you know, talk about Frank Ocean and the way he did his last deal. You know, he dropped the Endless album and yeah. that was the last one requirement for the label. And then he dropped Bomb right on top of it. And that's his. And it was it was just so invaluable and so genius. But Talib Kweli did also say where he's at as an artist right now, he needs Spotify. So it's, it's we go back to mm-hmm. what we always talk about. It's the transaction or it's the equity play. And how do you, in the music business, it's not as easy to get that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. somebody posed a question to me. It was very interesting. Not even a question, a statement. And he was like, you know, this is really good, Dre. And this is what let me know that we have something special. Like we have something that's very different, you and I. He said... Whatever you do, don't sell this to Spotify. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's deep. Because yeah. it, it, it mean, it's, somebody can make a simple comment like that, but that person and how he thinks and the way I think, he knows what, that I can understand what he was trying to get through to me. But yeah. at the same time, Drake just signed an astronomical deal. LeBron signed an astronomical deal with Nike. Kanye spoke about it. You know, they had to get a body, LeBron and Billy those guys kind of have to take those deals. No, that's, I mean, but those are one or two of those. They're partners with the actual company. It's like when you go to the NBA meeting, only, shit, Michelle only knew 10 motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you, you understand right, what I'm saying? Right. It's like you just showed up and you're like, all right, bro, where do I get my cheese? Where do I get this? Okay, Michelle, I play in the NBA. Good to see you, bro. Like, and then it's you that sits right there and it's like, it's, it's just different moves and everybody has their lane. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, most deaf and, and Talib, which is Black Star. And at the same time, I know tech. So I don't know how many subscribers Luminary has, but it's not the 100 million subscribers that Spotify has 
that they can monetize where the majority of your music and podcast listeners are. So it's just almost like those platforms where if you aren't there, you don't have the eyeballs. And if you're an artist and you want people to hear your music and make money, you got to come here. It's a powerful thing, man. It's a powerful thing. I think most Def said something, or maybe it's Talib, that, that, that taught him. Yes, he said, the number one thing you can do to show people how how much you appreciate them is by paying them. Paying them. Simple as that. There's like there's no in between. We could go through all the all the policies, the undertone, the underline, all this and the other. I think there's certain ways where you have to earn your worth, obviously, but I think what people mostly complain about is after you get your foot off the ground, when can the numbers get cut like, you know what I mean and when can you start mm-hmm. really benefiting mm-hmm. from your hard work like when's enough enough some people mm-hmm. might want five albums worth of your fly stuff and it's like bro just take this one and now we're partners I just prove to you 